Hey guys, Hunter here. Wanted to ask you a quick favor. Uh, we're really trying to grow the podcast and it would really help us if you would leave us a review. So go on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to the podcast and leave us a review. It's going to help more people find out about us. So we appreciate it. Now let's get to the show. with the coyote fitness podcast hunter here coming to you from the flowwood studios with caleb and we are going to talk about a frequently asked question faq faq <laughs> okay i don't know i didn't know where you're going with that for a second i don't know uh so uh we are gonna ask what are we uh people ask what should i uh equipment should i use uh when i'm working out at the gym what should i wear should I get a belt? Should I get wrist wraps? Should I use grips? Um, what shoes should I get? Um, the, you know, all the questions. So we're going to, we're going to delve into, um, what we recommend people, uh, use when they're working out at the gym. We did a, we did an episode on supplements and things like what are some of the little things that can kind of move the needle towards my goals. Um, and with this, I think that, there are a lot of misconceptions about like to, and a lot of jokes really about, you know, when you start doing CrossFit and you start showing up and all of a sudden you got wraps and knee sleeves and a certain type of shoe for this workout and a different type of shoe for that workout. Um, it becomes a little bit, uh, I guess, intimidating for people. And so trying to just weed through what is most essential, what is actually going to help you, um, in your, in your goal uniquely, what things do you need and what things are extra? Um, and we'll talk through it because we've probably used it all or maybe still do use a lot of them. And I know it changes as you move through what your priorities and what your goals are. And so I think we'll try to help answer some of those questions that you may have as well and hopefully just help you kind of um, weed through all of the details. Yeah, so I think I think when, when you're thinking about equipment, you always want want to think about um, what can I do without. So I want to, well, let me rephrase that. You don't want to depend on your equipment to be able to do a movement. You don't want to um, have to wear wrist straps and knee sleeves and weightlifting shoes and uh, a belt to just to be able to do a movement. Ultimately, you want to be able to do the movements um, without any equipment. But you want to think of the equipment as an enhancer um, to the movement. Um, so when I think about a weightlifting belt, for example, I'll try to go as long as I can without the weightlifting belt before I put it on because I don't want to just depend on the belt because then I'm not going to be developing the core strength that I could. Um, so that and same thing with weightlifting shoes. If you only squat with weightlifting shoes on. Um, and you like are doing a workout with squats on and running a weightlifting shoes because you can only squat with your weightlifting shoes. That just shows you there is a something that you need to improve on. But weightlifting shoes can um, improve your uh, a position, especially when you're going uh, for a max. And so we try to encourage people to you don't want to depend on the the uh, equipment, but it is something that can uh, amplify your results in a in in a given um, movement. So. Um, that's that's kind of where I uh, where I fall on that type of thing, and I try to use fewer and fewer accessories the longer I go. Like if you can not do a front rack or can't snatch or can't hold something overhead without wrist wraps, that just shows you 
that's something that um, you probably, you definitely need to improve your mobility in that area and you want to get to where you can do it without it. But um, it is something that can be added as you get heavier um, as you go along. So I think for me, the first one that I would like to start with and the one I think about the most is um, just the, the, a, an active wear a fitness shoe and the difference between a classic running shoe and a workout shoe is I think significant enough to increase the safety of what you're doing. Um, and it's not going to be something that's going to be detrimental to your overall fitness. Um, like the example you just gave with a belt. Well, if you just wear a belt all the time, it's going to decrease your core strength and you're not going to rely on those, your muscles to keep you, to keep your back, uh, and your spine neutral. And so that could lead to, um, less fitness whereas a shoe and a flat sole shoe so kind of getting to what are fitness shoes and what are running shoes generally the a fitness shoe is going to have a little bit flatter um foot and because of that it's going to be some of them find people find it a little bit more challenging to run in but the trade-off is that when you're doing a kettlebell swing uh, when you're doing a squat when you're um you know, doing any of these movements in the gym, having a flat surface is going to allow you to be more stable and it's going to keep you from rolling, which is the design of a running shoe is to roll into that run. Whereas this shoe is mostly designed to be as flat as possible so that you can stay balanced front foot to heel. And when you do something like a kettlebell swing, you don't feel yourself roll to your toes and get out in front and get into your upper back and you're able to sit back in your heels, sit in your glutes. And so I think just starting point, a shoe that is probably something that um you know especially for beginners is going to significantly help them move with better technique um and isn't going to harm them in any way running shoes uh when you squat are going to push you up on your toes and put you in a bad position um and there are so many different shoes out there and most of them are not made with being able to lift weights or squat or do anything functional other than run and walk in um, in mind. And so you gotta, you gotta pick a shoe that, uh, to you, that is going to help you get them in, in a proper, uh, position better, you know, and the, the, the closer to a barefoot style with a little bit of padding, um, the better. Now everybody's foot is different. And that's another thing to keep in mind. What works for me might not work for you. Um, I have tried a lot of different shoes. I've tried the Reebok nanos and I wore those for a while, but those, those hurt my feet. And so what I have found, um, that works best for me is the Metcom freeze because it's kind of a good mix between a running shoe and a, uh, the flat Metcon weightlifting shoe. The Metcons hurt my feet a little bit as well. Um, and so I like the extra cushion for the Metcon freeze. Um, but they really help me. And so that's what I always recommend. Some people do like the nanos, uh, the Reebok nanos. Some people, I've tried the Nobles. They don't, I don't like those at all for my feet. Some people do like those. Um, um, some people like the regular Metcons. Uh, so you kind of got to, uh, play around with what works best for you and try a couple different things. But for me, um, the Metcon free from Nike is the best shoe that I have found that works. That is, uh, versatile and lots of different avenues. Do you have a wide foot or narrow or is it just kind of like I have really pretty ha- normal? I have really high arches, so it's a little bit harder for me to find, um, a shoe that, that fits for me. It's a little bit narrow. I don't have a super wide foot. Um, but, um, you know, if you have a wide foot, it might be a little bit different for you. You might need a wider toe box type shoe. Um, so you got to kind of play around with Generally, it. Generally, I think the Reebok, they, you know, in all of these shoes, there's a new one every year. Nike, just to kind of clarify that Metcon is, they have the Metcon, which is a little flatter, 
Uh, and then they have the free, which is a little bit closer to, like you said, closer to that running hybrid shoe. Um, the Nano, more times than not, their new Nano each year is going to be a little bit wider. So it's going to have a little bit wider um, toe box area. And so if you have a wider foot, a Nano may be a little better. Um, a new, you know, Noble is relatively new in the last four or five years. And so a lot of people like those, but some people just really don't like those. And then Tier, the TYR is a new brand that's kind of hit the fitness industry um, pretty quickly. Uh, I've tried their workout shoes and I think they're very similar to Metcon's. Um, and that Metcon free, they're a little bit softer. And so anyway, the tiers, I work out in those and I love them right now. Um, so there's a lot of different options. Um, I'd be remiss to say that Lululemon isn't starting their, uh, their new women's line that I may or may not have tried already. Uh, so they've got workout shoes. So ultimately you just have to figure out what feels good for you. Maybe be willing to try some. And then if you find a good one, just just stay with it don't feel like you've got a you know it, there's a there's a whole different side to this of uh trying to find shoes that look good and different colors and all that so if that's you this is kind of a different conversation do not wear hokas when you work out yeah hoka hoka is that big thick huge round it's like the rocking chair of shoes and it is almost a safety hazard yeah when you, do, you work you out. do not need to be wearing shoes that you feel like you're walking on air or like on a sponge there needs to be a solid base um and so uh finding a shoe that you can squat and lift in stably is is very important all so. right moving to lifters now so lifters if you are unfamiliar that's just a, a weightlifting shoe that's predominant or that is used exclusively for uh weightlifting it has a raised heel uh, that allows you to, which if you've ever put your feet on a slope and squatted, or you've put your heels on any kind of an edge and squat, all of a sudden you have the world's greatest technique in a squat. Your spine is almost straight up and I down. I wouldn't go that far. Uh, maybe not. Maybe you. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it allows you to sit up a lot more. Um, you can keep the barbell over your feet and not lean forward or crouch forward, especially uh, if you're like me and you wrapped your ankles all through high school playing sports and you have poor ankle mobility. But one thing that is, um, is great about a lifter is that it does allow you to to lift heavier loads with a better technique without having to go down the six months to two year road of, of working on your ankle mobility. So it's a good in between um, and allows you to, um, even if you know you need to work on it, it allows you to not have to work on it so you can lift safely as you, like Hunter said, do also not just wear them exclusively so you can develop that ankle mobility um, but it's a heavy shoe it typically the heel is very heavy it gives you a firm stable base uh, and so you'll see a lot of people change shoes for an olympic lift where you're throwing a weight in a dynamic fashion to catch and it allows you to be more stable with it weightlifting shoes are definitely are going to add pounds to your max when you get used to them there's no doubt about it if you watch the weight uh the weightlifting in the olympics every single one of them is wearing weightlifting shoes um most athletes in the crossfit games if there's a max they're going to wear it but a lot of crossfit athletes crossfit games athletes will practice in regular shoes because a lot of times there'll be a lift right after a run or something like that and so you want to be able to to do it in both so we encourage people to be able to lift do the Olympic lifts in regular shoes. You want to be able to do those, but there is definitely a benefit to wearing weightlift shoes when you're trying to go heavy. Uh, if you're doing just a weightlifting session, if you're the type of person who likes to compete, if you're coming to weightlifting class, um, 
yes, definitely weightlifting shoes are going to be beneficial to those. The Nike Romaleos are what I've always worn. I really like those. They're heavy. They feel like your feet are in blocks of cement, um, but they're going to improve your position um, in the squat, um, which is going to help you tremendously when you're, you know, when you're lifting heavy weights and just an inch forward or inch backward in a squat can be the difference between making or missing a lift and like, especially in the snatch as well. Um, so they are definitely beneficial, but you don't want to rely on and only be able to do the lifts in those shoes. I would definitely practice in both, but if you are a type of person who really wants to improve your clean or your clean and jerk or your snatch, they are very, very beneficial. All right. So lifters, um, as far as brands, I mean, essentially they kind of parallel most shoes are their most fitness shoe companies are going to have a training shoe, a cross training shoe, whatever they decide to call it. And then they're also going to have a lifter. So I would say that that probably is going to follow the same style. So if you like one, you may like their other lifter because they're going to be molded very similar as far as the shape. So, um, any questions about that, but yeah, feel free to, you guys can ask your coach, but, um, a lifter is going to be one of those shoes that actually improves your performance and doesn't have just a ton of negative side effects other than having to bring two pair of shoes to class. Mm-hmm. Um, next thing and next most important, I think from a safety standpoint and longevity is gymnastics grips. Um, and the part of the reason is because one, it's going to help you be able to consistently come in the gym day after day and not just, uh, and not tear up your hands, not have a, you know, we have a lot of people in our gym who come in and they have a job where they need to use their hands or they're, uh, you know, shaking people's hands at work or they're working with other people, uh, and working with their hands. And it's kind of gross to look at someone's hands and see like a bloody scab, uh, when you're trying to shake people's hand. And so we don't want people leaving the gym and not being able to wash their hair because their hands hurt so bad. And so gymnastics grips are, um, are going to serve that purpose. And then secondarily, and once you learn to use them correctly, it's actually going to help your performance because you're going to learn how to use those grips now to not just protect your hands, but also to use them to help support your body weight, um, when you're hanging or when you're pulling on something. And so using your wrist and kind of tying that load, not to your fingertips, but into your entire wrist is going to significantly decrease the amount of weight you have in your hands. That in itself is also going to prevent you from from tearing your hands as often because no longer are you gripping the bar really tight, but it allows you to have a loose grip. And so there's a couple different things we could go into with grips, but uh, Hunter and I use different grips, so he'll talk about uh, his experience with those and what he's worked with, and I'll um, share as well. Yeah, so grips to me is the only piece of equipment that is mandatory if you're going to be doing things on the bar. So if you're doing pull-ups, toes to bar, bar muscle-ups, practicing your kipping, that type of thing, it is mandatory that you learn how to use them. It does take a little bit of practice to learn how to use them correctly, but it is something where you are going to rip your hands if you don't use them. And um, once you learn how to use them, you will most likely never rip your hands again. Um, unless you're doing an insane amount of volume in a workout that your hands aren't accustomed to. But it's just something that if you can keep yourself from ripping your hands, why would you not do that? And some people want to try to practice with, with, without them. And, and I say, I would learn how to use them because it's going to keep you from ripping your hands. And there's no benefit at all to ever ripping your hands. Um, people will like post pictures of ripping their hands, like as a badge of honor. And I think it's just, it's just something that's not necessary and something that is going to set you back and there's no need to do it if you can avoid it. So I use the bear, uh, not the bear complex. I use the victory grips because, um, 
going way back in the day before gymnastic scripts are even a thing, we were using Reebok made gloves and we would wear gloves. And, uh, I, uh, have funny videos of me wearing gloves and workouts and we laugh about it. But, uh, now, you know, gymnastic scripts are a thing that people use and it's, it's very common victory grips for me. I've had the same pair for about four years now. I have the four finger victory grip, uh, gray material. Um, I think it's the stealth material is what it was called. I've had the same pair for about four years. Before that, I tried about four different pairs of Bear Complex, and every single one of them ripped on me, so I quit using them. Some people really like Bear Complex. I, I like the Victory Grips. I've, like I said, I've had the same pair for at least four, maybe five years now. I paid about 50 bucks for them, so that's pretty. Uh, that's about $10 a year I've spent on my on my grips, and uh, to me, that's it's like a no-brainer. I, when I don't do a workout with, where I'm grabbing the bar without them or anything on the rings uh, without them because it saves my grip. There are two kinds of grips that you'll see, unless there's a you know an athlete that's tried to make their own. Um, but victory grips, they're most common. They're going to be like a yellow color um, on the strap. Uh, those grips are um, the first one and Bear Complex with a K. Uh, those are the that's kind of the second um, brand. And one of those two grips you're going to see if you watch athletes who train every day, all day, they're going to be, it's going to be one of the two. Um, and so I encourage people, I think when it comes to grips, the big things that you want to know is one, you need to get them larger than smaller. So they need to be, and I encourage people, almost everyone, they can't be too big. They can be too small. And if they're too small, you're not going to get to use, it will cover your your palm, but you're not going to get to use that benefit of the traction and the grip that will help in hang on to your wrist and some of the performance benefits. And so for, if you say I have a really small hand, I would say large. If you say I have a normal size or a bigger hand, extra large, that's the biggest they get. Um, you don't necessarily need the fingers. Um, I think that the way that grips are designed now, and you'll watch, if you watch the CrossFit games, no one's going to have their fingers in the grips. You can get them with the fingers or without. It just depends on what they're in stock of. But they make them now, and you know, Victory Grips and Bear Complex both have started making grips without finger holes now because it's just kind of a waste because if you put your fingers in, it tends to bulk up the grip in your palm and you start to slip a little bit. And so anyway, in this gymnastics class we had in Flowood this last week, we went through pull-ups and one of the, one of the small segments that we did was talking about how to hold a pull-up and how to grip the bar. And we used a kettlebell as an example. You can use the rower handle to practice, but anyway, a grip is going to have some performance benefit, but like Hunter said, ultimately the reason you're here is so that you can come to the gym four or five, six days a week. Um, and you can continue to come to the gym and anything that's going to going to um, take away from your ability to do that, like a ripped hand, or that's going to take away from your quality of life outside the gym, we want to try to, uh, we want to try to avoid. And so that's really the biggest thing. If you have questions about performance and how to grip the bar, all those things, we can work through that. But ultimately, we just want you to move safely and not leave the gym bleeding all over your clothes and having to go to a meeting and not be able to shake people's hands because your hands burn so bad. So, uh, that's it for grips on me. I think we, I love, I, I could get in the weeds about grips. Grips have been like, I've kind of loved digging into and trying to stay ahead and seeing the performance benefit of it. Um, but there is a, I think there's some other things that we want to talk about. Yeah. Too. So, um, right pair of shoes grips to me are the two non-negotiables. You have to have those when you come to the gym. The third one that is highly recommended 
Um, not non-negotiable, not mandatory, but I highly recommend having your own jump rope because having your own jump rope is something that you're going to be able to use and practice on the same rope every single time. If you don't have your own jump rope, you might be using a different rope every time. And it's really hard to learn a skill like double unders or crossovers if you are, or single unders, if you're not, if you're using a different rope every single time. So I, I always highly recommend people get their own jump rope. Um, the th- so when you're learning, if you're not super comfortable with a rope, you want a thicker handle and a thicker rope because you can feel it better. Um, but as you get more proficient, you're going to want a thinner handle and a thinner rope because you're going to be able to spin it faster. It's not going to wear your shoulders out as much. So I use RPM rope. It's, uh, it's something where I have, I've had the same handles for about five or six years now. I change the rope out periodically when it gets worn out and I get the, um, the coated rope because it lasts a lot longer. Um, so I have been using RPM rope for years. Now, one, one caveat is I know for crossovers, you, there's a different rope that most people are using for crossovers. It's got a thicker, longer handle and a thicker rope so they can feel it better. Um, so if you're more of a novice, you want a thicker handle with a thicker rope. If you are pretty experienced and really getting into double unders or triple unders or anything like that, and you want a thinner, thinner handle, uh, thinner, uh, rope that you can spin faster. It doesn't wear your shoulders out as fast, but uh jump rope, highly recommend everyone have their own jump rope. That, yeah, that's great. And part of it is just because with different heights and trying to figure out, I mean, the number one thing with jump rope is if it's too short, it doesn't matter how skilled you are, accurate you are, you're going to trip. It's going to be frustrating. And so, um, start longer than shorter. You can always shorten the rope as you get more accurate, but, um, the jump rope, because you're a unique size and you have a unique arm length and height, and all that, then we kind of, uh, you know, encourage people to use their own. Um, and it keeps you from, oh, that person grabbed the rope I usually use and that sort of thing. We try to, we provide them at the gym, but if you want that unique, uh, experience and know it's going to be the same experience every time you do jump rope, that's probably the best. And like Hunter said, you can do, you can get a jump rope that's going to last you forever all in, and jump ropes now too, they're made where you just change the cable out after you, after it gets through years of use or starts to get wrinkled or you put it in your bag and it bends. Um, so you can just change the rope. RPM seems to be the one that most of us have had the longest. Um, it, the, again, you buy the handle and you can exchange the cord out all, you know, however you want to. And as you progress, you can change the length of it without having to buy the whole new thing. Um, for a lot of people, beginners, a lot of ladies have ordered the double under wonder and love the handle. They love the cable that comes with it. So that's kind of what I would say is a beginner rope for people. Like Hunter said, it's a little bit thicker. You can feel it a little more. The RPM allows you to change from a thick cable to a bare cable and you can then get to a speed cable which is a little bit thinner it's going to hurt really bad if you miss but if you go to those speed cables typically you're not tripping and whipping yourself at that point and then as you progress the most advanced jump rope that you'll see the crossfit games athletes they're going to use a jump rope called an evo speed rope Um, it's got kind of ridges in the handle but the spinniness of it is just unlike any other uh, jump rope and so that one is going to be much more expensive. It's a nearly $200 jump rope, about $180. Um, they have a plastic handle version that I use because I don't need a $200 jump rope. It's about $85, $90, but it has significant, without doing a thing, it has made jump rope easier. Um, and so it has increased my performance immediately going to that Evo speed rope from the RPM rope. But I use the RPM rope. I still can use it. It's your perfect just i'm going to the gym every day 
this is a it's a great jump rope you can change the color cable all those things so that's a uh, that's jump ropes yeah so that's uh to me that that kind of ends the list of like stuff that's pretty much mandatory highly highly recommend the next stuff is stuff that can definitely help but it's not mandatory at all um so uh the first one would be a belt for me uh a belt is something that i use um and i don't really lift heavy that much anymore but it's something that when i'm lifting heavy I will warm up and build up and then just put it on when I get super heavy. Belt is something that you do not want to put on in your warm-up sets. You don't want to be putting it on every single one of your working sets. You're going to, if you are always wearing a belt, you're going to rely on it. You're not going to be, learn how to brace your core very well, and you're not going to build the core strength that you are going to be getting. You're going to be hurting. A lot of the progress you could be making um, in your core um, when you start relying on that belt too much. So the way I use a belt is I will say we're doing five sets of three and we're building and I'm trying to build to a heavy set. I will probably, I will do all my warm up sets without the belt. I'll do probably the first three sets at minimum without the belt. And then I'll put on for the last one or two sets. And it really definitely helps me able to lift more weight, but I want to get as much out of my work, work without the belt as I can and then throw it on towards the end. Yeah, I agree completely. So um, for me, the other thing that I like that's a comfort thing is knee sleeves. Knee sleeves are not mandatory. Um, they're, they're, it's not because I have bad knees. It's not um, you know any other reason than I, I like the way the comfort and I feel like I'm a little more explosive. It just helps me kind of get out of the bottom. But ultimately, it keeps your knees warm. Um, it, it creates some structure. And what it does is help you kind of cue and think about where your knees are and think about your positioning uh, in the bottom. And so I think that for, for me, a comfort thing that I use is knee sleeves. I try not to, every time I squat, I use knee sleeves. Um, it's not one of those things, but I do find that I probably put them on even when I don't need it out of habit. And so I try to try to take a break from them, but it does help my knees warm up when I first start to squat. It gives you some support and structure for for uh, your knees in the squat in a lunge movement it can help just it's it's something that's soft for your knee to hit some people like it for that reason but I got into the habit of wearing knee sleeves and I really like them it doesn't take away from my workout at all it's just an easy thing give or take it but I do find that if I'm going to do a lot of squatting um, then I put them on and I feel pretty comfortable with it definitely not a necessity I personally like them. I use knee sleeves the same way I use a belt. I'll have them rolled down and then I'll roll them up over my knees on the last couple sets. Um, I used to have to wear knee sleeves, like to do pistols and stuff when I was competing. And um, that's something that I tried to work to get away from, not to where I didn't have to use them. Um, For the belt, going back to the belt, I use a Harbinger belt that uh, is like a Velcro um, belt. Um, some people use like the belts that you buckle in. Those are a little bit more heavy duty. I just had a Velcro buckle, uh, hard bring a belt that I have that I use. And we have a lot of them at the gym that we let people use. And then for the knee sleeves, I use Ray-Band, R-E-H-B-A-N-D uh, sleeves. Those are thick, the thicker ones. Those are the best ones that I found. Um, they're blue. Um, and uh, those are the knee sleeves that, that I used. Any any other uh, equipment, uh, Caleb? Uh, people ask about wrist wraps a lot. I see people with the wrist wrap grip combo. That's kind of something that used to be more popular. Um, you know, wrist wraps are one of those things that a lot of people, again, you find yourself putting it on. You're like, I don't know why I'm putting these on. But uh, to me, I have used a wrist wrap in the past to give some uh, for certain movements to feel like I have a little bit more of a safety net for not bending my wrist too far. But I actually 
have found I just feel more stable. But if you wear them incorrectly, or like Hunter was talking about with some of these other things, if you wear them too much, it actually limits your range of motion in your wrist. And sometimes I think for people, it actually can cut off that range of motion that you want to gain that is actually going to help with your mobility long term. So um, not wearing wrist wraps for uh, I almost use it as a sweatband sometimes, to be honest, but a wrist wrap is something that maybe can give you structure from not overcompensating for a movement like a handstand walk. But I have found that if you if you wear it too high or too tight and it keeps you from having the range of motion that's healthy, then I think you're limiting some of your wrist mobility that can be important for, for even lifting. So wrist wraps are one of those things, give or take it. I do think that the ones that are just free free wrist wrap and not connected to anything else in your hand are, are the best ones to use. Um, but I do see people strapping up the wrist wraps a lot. And um, so just not wearing those too high on your wrist that's going to cut off you from gaining that range of motion in your wrist that's going to help with things like a front rack um, or a handstand walk or, you know, a wall walk. So I, I like wearing wrist wraps and I know a lot of people do, but, um, you know, that's pretty the last thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, wrist wraps are something that I used to wear a lot when I first started and, uh, I used them because I would get wrist pain and it really helped, um, with my wrist pain because especially in the front rack, I was missing a lot of range of motion and my external rotation of my shoulders, my triceps, my forearms are all tied. And so when I would do front squats, um, I would feel a lot of wrist pain. Um, when I would do overhead squats, sometimes I would feel a lot of wrist pain and I use those to kind of help, uh, take some of that pain off my wrist. But they are something that I haven't worn in years because I, I worked to where I didn't have to use them anymore and I just don't need them anymore. And so, um, that's something they can, they can definitely be helpful if you're the type of person that has uh, wrist pain, but, um, you know, hopefully you can work to where you, uh, don't have to wear them anymore. So that was a, a great rundown of, uh, you know, just kind of the accessory equipment type stuff that people ask about. We see people using in the gym. There's obviously uh, other things that people use. And if you got any questions about those, um, feel free to ask them, but that's kind of, uh, what we recommend to, uh, to our members to use. So I think that was a really good discussion there. Um, we're going to move on to the next segment outside the box. And I'm going to, I'm going to go through this one solo because we lost Caleb to, uh, he's got to coach a class. So, um, I thought this would be a little cool segment to talk about. Um, you know, we've been talking about, uh, my wife and I having twins coming up. And with that, we've been having a little bit of discussion on some, um, you know, some things that we want to, uh, to do with our, our kids as we, as we grow up and, you know, um, maybe some of you guys can resonate with this, but there's a few, uh, traditions that we have, uh, been talking about wanting to make sure we do with our kids. Number one is, uh, having dinner with our kids every night. And this is something that both of us, uh, did, uh, as when we were growing up with our family that we really cherished was no matter what was going on with our family, um, and everything going on, we always tried to have dinner as a family every night. And it's something that's going to be very important to us as well. I know when I was a kid, uh, some nights we out, you know, we wouldn't eat till seven thirty, eight, eight thirty, nine o'clock at night, but we all ate together as a family because, uh, that was important to us as a family. And so that's something that we've talked about. We want to try to preserve, uh, for our kids as we, as we grow up. Another one that we've talked about is having a family movie night. And, um, as when our kids get older is, um, um, having one night a week where we kind of watch a movie as a family and, and kind of pick a different movie each week and, and let each person pick a, pick a movie, um, and, uh, and watch it and as a family, maybe discuss it and just kind of make that part of a, a tradition for our family as well. 
Um, and then we're, uh, we've talked about the importance of travel, travel to me, uh, when I was a kid, uh, my family lived in, uh, Prague for a summer when I was young and that, that had a profound impact on me. I know it did as seeing there was a lot more out to the world than, um, just a small bubble that we spend our day-to-day life in. And, um, I really want to, you know, impart that to my kids as well and show them that the, there's a whole lot of, uh, world out there, a lot of people with lots of different experiences and worldviews than, than our own. And so, um, we want to, uh, make travel a big part of our, our lives as well. And hopefully that'll, that'll be something that we can do with our kids consistently. And so, uh, it, it's just been fun, uh, having these discussions with my wife and kind of talking about things that are important to us and, and different values and things we want to instill with our kids. But those are a few that, that stuck out to me that, that I thought would, you know, would be interesting with you people that have kids or grandkids or potentially have kids down the road, maybe, uh, something that, um, you guys do as well. And so if, if there's, uh, something that has, um, um, been impactful for you and raising your kids, we'd love to talk about it because, um, you know, I'm trying to get advice from as many people people as I can. And I know Caleb is as well. And so we are really, really looking forward to that. So, um, that's, uh, that's my outside the box for this week. And, uh, for recommends, I have a book, uh, the priory of the orange tree. I don't know if any of you have read that, but it is a kind of a fantasy fiction type book. Um, and I had seen multiple people recommend it on Instagram and it was, uh, it was a really good book. It reminded me a lot of, uh, kind of like a game of Thrones type book. Um, and, um, uh, it was entertaining. It's a long book, a long read. Um, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed it and I bought the prequel for it and I'm about to start that now. And so I would, uh, I would highly recommend that book. If you are the type of person that likes a good fiction book, a good, I like to read fiction books at night before bed. And it's something that I've been reading uh, in bed consistently and, and really enjoying it. So, um, uh, just finished it up and, uh, I would recommend it, you know, for, uh, people that like fiction, uh, fantasy type, type novels with dragons and that type of thing, I would recommend the Priory of the Orange Tree. So that's it for this week. Hope you guys, hope we guys gave you, uh, we gave you guys something, uh, to think about as far as, uh, equipment, maybe something that you, uh, have been on the fence about getting and uh now you know you can find whether it's worth getting or not so uh, hope you guys enjoyed the episode and we will catch you next time Silky smooth sounds.